0: Hello, Literacy Guide listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. But first, I want to tell you about an upcoming event that we are collaborating with, with the Lumen Christi Institute. Next Wednesday, October 14th, in the Western Suburbs, they will be having a lecture series from our very brand new Director of Academic Formation at the Liturgical Institute, Dr. Kevin Magus. And then again in November, on November 11th, another Wednesday night, they will be having a lecture from Dr. Dennis McNamara, who you all know from this podcast. If you're interested in coming to an event for the Lumen Christi Institute for this Western Suburban Catholic Culture Series, you can find out more information at Lumen christie.org this week we have a quiz episode with chris carson's i know how much you guys love the liturgy quizzes that he comes up with so without further ado episode five of season five of the liturgy guys enjoy i'm going to talk to you today about the mass
1: the liturgy is what enculturates the gospel
0: for us. What are you, some kind of ultra boy?
1: And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh?
0: We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. apparently you have another quiz
1: for us chris don't sound so excited
0: well i don't like to be embarrassed but one hey remember that time i beat dennis in a liturgy quiz that was awesome i remember it did you I'm still did dealing you win with
1: it. A, a, a straight up or did he just concede wasn't it a i think I, he just let you win i conceded well, yeah
0: well, there were two, and then the other one was the quizzical papist. Remember that? Oh, yeah, you, you, gosh. you did win that one, but that was not a liturgy quiz. That was just a crazy hey, quiz. It was a quiz about things involving the liturgy, okay. and I definitely right. won. You won, Jesse. All right. You happy now? You won. All right. All right. So, so now fine. we have to have another quiz. <laughs> and I don't know any – I have no foreknowledge of this. Or is this the one that appeared in Nutterimus Bulletin that I studied already?
1: Uh I don't know. Do you read do you read Adams bulletin? <laughs> <laughs>
0: What are you I'll laughing think- at, Jesse?
1: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're both in the same boat. <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't looked at this quiz yet. So it's.
1: Yeah. This, uh, let's see, what did this come? This was from July. So I don't know. Maybe you read it already. So, yeah, what we're doing in uh, Adiramus is um, we had this grand plan to look at the Roman missile, the post conciliar missile in its uh, 50th anniversary. You know, other things came up during the year that. Way no. that a little bit, but uh, anyway, it's still good to uh, to to get back into the missile and find out what it actually says. Um, so we've, uh, as a you know, instead of the uh, thirty five hundred word essay about this, that, or the other thing, we try to make it a little bit uh, interesting. So we'll see if it is. So this quiz from the July Adoremus Bulletin is on liturgical ministers. Whoa, liturgical minister. Hey, Dennis,
0: do you have your bell? By the way, uh, do, I can get my bell. Get the bell. Get, get the bell. your bell. You can't get, get, get your bell. bell. Get, 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 bell. get, 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 get your, your bell. bell. Make some, keep singing while I get the bell. <laughs> no, I Thank will you. not do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dennis is the worst. Don't you yeah. hate Dennis?
1: <laughs> oh, here he comes. Oh, oh yeah, we gotta say yeah. nice things again. There oh, he is. So glad you're right. yeah. got the bell. Okay, all right. Are you all ready for this? Who's gonna? You wanna do rock paper scissors to see who goes first?
0: Yeah. Okay. Ready, Dennis? Uh, yeah. Let me get in front of the camera. Rock,
1: paper, scissors. Rock beats scissors. Hi. Uh, right. so, so, Jesse do you want goes to, first. Do you want to receive the football or kick the zone?
0: <laughs> Jesse goes first. Kick, Jesse goes kick, first. Kick or receive.
1: Okay. I'm pointing. Right. Jesse, question number one. Do I have to be in a state of grace to receive
0: the football? <laughs> worth, if you want to receive it worthily.
1: Okay. Question number one. Which of the following is not listed as a liturgical role by the Roman Missal? Instituted acolyte. Extraordinary Minister of Holy Communion, psalmist, catechist, commentator, sacristan. Which of those is not listed as a liturgical minister in the Roman Missal?
0: So I think it's one of two. Okay. And I am going to... I'm going to go with Extraordinary Minister of Holy Communion.
1: Dennis, any...
0: Comment on that. Awful uh, answer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just ready to ring the bell or not. So you tell me. Uh, that's
1: not right, uh, Jesse. So <laughs> extraordinary minister of Holy Communion is mentioned uh, in the missal. Uh, the one that's new, What was your other guess?
0: Well, well, maybe I was wrong, but th- my other guess was going to be the uh, catechist. <laughs>
1: That's the right answer. Oh yeah. dang it. Yeah, that's the right answer. Sacristan, there's instructions on what the sacristan does in the general instruction, the commentator. Remember what a commentator is, uh, Dennis, like, Dennis from That's that weird thing where there. you can discuss
0: what's happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's I think, didn't it uh like in the 50s, they they they, they developed this role of commentator, the mass still being in Latin, it was whose principal whose principal job was to kind of explain to the faithful um, what may be happening to help them to act more actively participate. Anyway, that, that,
0: that came it. up when we were talking about can you do a teaching mass,
1: right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So commentators in there, psalmist. So there's such a thing as a cantor, but there's a special ministry called psalmist. Mm-hmm. And that person's only job is to sing the psalm so
0: stay away from palm readers but you can be close to psalm readers
1: yeah yeah okay so uh uh we'll we'll, we'll come back to you in question number three jesse okay mm-hmm. i'll All keep right. track of the score because i like to write zero on jesse's side okay. give, me, you... no,
0: give me a half a point
1: i was half right <laughs> <laughs> okay dennis are you ready yes uh, the most effective ministry by which a lay person may participate in the Mass is reader, mm. cantor, extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, master of ceremonies, none of the above. Well, there's two things going on here, right? One is
0: which one can lay people do? The other is the word effective. So I have to ask you about the word effective. Are you talking like efficacious when you say effective or what do you mean by effective?
1: Um, As a uh, sacraments are said to be efficacious because Christ works in them. Maybe maybe the better word in this quiz would be most fruitful for one's spiritual life. If you really want to to harvest the graces that are coming through the mass, which of these ministries should you sign up for? So it would be effective for me, the minister person. Yeah, for your spiritual life. Should you be a reader, cantor, communion minister, master of ceremonies, or none of those? Well, first of all, you shouldn't be saying communion minister. You should just be saying extraordinary minister of holy communion.
0: So oh, you lose the point on that one. Okay, give me the buzzer. <laughs> 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 the Indigestion slash buzzer there.
1: Uh, I would say none of the above. That's my
0: answer, too, by the way.
1: I would say ring that bell, ring that bell. All right, so give me
0: half credit for that one as well. So now I have one. <laughs> so the here's reason, my reason here's, I say well,
1: the reason I say that is the layperson's j- principal job at the mass is and this is what the germ says is to offer Christ the unblemished sacrificial victim and also their very selves and so day by day be brought through the mediation of Christ into the unity of God and with each other so that God may at last be all in all. That is the layperson's job at the mass and you know I all of us Probably most of our listeners, both of our listeners out there uh, serve as a ministers at some point. It's, you know, don't you just want to go to mass sometimes and, and pray? And you don't have to worry about hitting the right note as the cantor or getting the word right as the lector. Or when am I supposed to go up as the ex- extraordinary minister of Holy Communion? So You have no I mean, idea
0: how true that is. Once Dennis yeah. left the LI, now I'm in charge of all that liturgy stuff and I'm cantering. And I got to tell you it is very difficult to you haven't prayed for
1: months have you I
0: haven't, I haven't actively participated in the sacred liturgy in months no but it's really difficult because you, you have so much going in your, in your head like, oh what about this okay then I do that and then so uh, I stand by my statement of that it's actually a little more difficult when you are doing liturgical ministry uh, roles was, was that your way of saying thank you DMAC, and I appreciate all you've done no it's my way of saying I hate you for leaving
1: <laughs> All right, let's go to number three. Uh, Jesse, true or false, the cassock and surplice may be worn by servers.
0: Mm, I'm going to say, well, by servers, you mean acolytes? Uh,
1: well, an acolyte can mean two things, an instituted acolyte or like an altar server. So okay. sort of, yeah. Can, can 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 the kiddos up there in the sanctuary be wearing a cassock and surplus?
0: I'm going to say true because
1: I've seen it, but that's, doesn't, that <laughs> oh, doesn't. We mean that. So. I <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but, true. That's not a good way. Is it licit? It is. Uh, it is licit. So give him give him the bell. Boom, baby. So what the germ says in number 339 is that in the diocese of the U.S., acolytes, altar servers, readers, and other lay ministers may wear the alb. Or other appropriate and dignified clothing.
0: Hmm. But they do seem to give preference to the alb. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, in this third edition, they, uh, I think it used to say the alb, other liturgical vesture, or other appropriate and dignified clothing. That other liturgical vesture line is excised from the current missal. But I still think under that heading, the cassock and surplus would be allowed. Now, I would make one little uh, caveat to that. The alb is the, the vesture of all of the baptized. So when you're, were a baby and you got baptized, they put an alb on you. That's the the white garment. The cassock and surplice is more strictly uh, a clerical vesture. Mm-hmm. And so I think it. Uh, when people ask me in the liturgy office, I'd say uh, probably altar girls shouldn't wear the cassock and surplus because that's a little incongruous with uh, you know the clerical t- uh, attire. So maybe uh, altar boys or men could wear cassock and surplus. Otherwise. Uh, alb seems to be the the better choice chris and by would, the way oh go ahead, oh,
0: go ahead. Yes, i was gonna say at the parish that i used to go to a while back um they had the male servers would wear uh cassock and alb or a surplus mm-hmm. and um uh, <laughs> the females would wear i think a type of alb but then they had it kind of looked like a um graduation hood that you would wear i don't know yeah. if that's have you seen that, or do you know what that is, or what that's
1: about? Uh, I don't, but I think probably <laughs> what we're discussing right discussing right now is uh the thinking behind that you know, is is trying to make sacramental vesture signify you know different realities of, of the mystical body. There, oh. got it, Good. okay. Uh, let's see, Dennis. It's uh, <laughs> it's a tie game up. right now, by the way, tie game, uh, number one. Ooh, number 4. This, what you think of this? Priest concelebrants cannot join the mass a) after the entrance procession has begun, b) after the sign of the cross and greeting, c) after the liturgy of the word has begun, d) after the offertory at the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist. I think I know the answer to this by the way. So concelebrants cannot join the mass when so you just mean like if they're running
0: late and they get there at what point can they start being a concelebrant at what point is it too late to join that's the question Uh, yep Mm. well i can't imagine that they could start after the offertory so i'll say
1: that one can i answer chris so you think they can join the mass at any point until the offertory well i would say that they can't start after
0: the offertory. oh but that doesn't rule out the previous three okay right
1: uh, and the first one was the entrance procession. Yeah, entrance procession, sign of the cross, and greeting, liturgy of the word, offertory.
0: I don't, I don't see any rationale for that one of these. Jesse seems to be all excited with knowing. I know. The well, I know the answer, so that's why. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to lose to Jesse. So let's say. <laughs> oh, that's true. Let's say don't. after the sign of the after the sign of the cross. All right. Hey, hey, can I say my answer?
1: No, it's my question. Okay, fine. The answer is. Okay, well, I'll tell you. I think the answer is after the procession. Yeah, yeah. well, this is exactly what the germ says. Quote, no one is ever to join a concelebration or to be admitted as a concelebrant once the mass has already begun. End quote. So when is that exactly? So when is that exactly? When is that exactly? Well, the procession's part of the Mass. When does the Mass begin? Does it begin with the sign of the cross, or does it begin with the introit or entrance chant?
0: It begins with the Paschal meal that Christ shared with the apostles (laughs) back in 33 AD. It begins with my answer given. That's when it
1: begins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well the, the quiz here. I, have to, I, I think there's something to Wait, that. Did Dennis. you create a question that you did not actually know the answer to? No, no, no. Well, what I say in the bulletin then is one may debate whether mass, quote unquote, begins with the entrance procession, the entrance chant or the sign of the cross. So Dennis said it exactly right. It, well, what does that exactly mean? But I think if you open the missile, the first thing that happens in the mass is the procession into the sanctuary accompanied by the entrance chant. So you those said are it's so i get a point for
0: any of those
1: yeah so i don't think it, i'm going to give you a point for that although well, you're really I, whoa, close whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. I'm, <laughs> I'm the
1: one keeping score i'm giving you me. okay all right well whatever it's you can file one. a complaint with the uh the board of uh, Otteramus Bulletin. yeah you're going to get my hate mail <laughs> to the editor
0: while okay. you're while you're at it put in a complaint to the presidential debate board as well <laughs> uh, okay jesse
1: number five we better pick this up a little bit yeah oh this is another true or false Yes. True or false. The cantor can sing the tropes in the third form of the Penitential Act. Right. So recall, there's three forms of the Penitential Act. There's the confitior, That's the first. The second is this dialogue between the priest and the people. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned against you. Show us, O Lord, your mercy and grant us your salvation. And the third are these things where there's these series of tropes or introductions. So, for example, you were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. So, Jesse, again, the question is true or false. The cantor can sing the tropes in this third form of the penitential act. Ooh, that's
0: a good question. Thank you. I feel like I'm trying to like get into your psyche about this mm-hmm. about you oh, yeah. might you might think that they can't but they can. That's uh, a dangerous dangerous place to go, Jesse. Chris's psyche. I've That's been there. True. It ain't pretty. Yeah. Uh well, you know what? I'm going to say that I'm going to say that they can.
1: Okay. That's correct. It's true. A canter can sing those. What it says here in the germ is the, the rubric in the order of mass says the priest or a deacon or another minister then says the following or other invocations with Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. So, yes, a cantor or another minister could sing or say those parts. So again, uh, if Can I get
0: a ding on that, please? All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the lamest ding ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did a minimal, liturgical minimalism. All right. There you go. Full. Uh, cool. yeah. So
1: it's actually – it's this is good to know because, right, in uh, if you want to sing more of the mass, these are one of the easy things to sing. But still, even if your priest doesn't want to sing or, the, or you don't have a deacon or you have a deacon who doesn't sing, the cantor can sing those pretty easily. And you get the people actively participating through liturgical chant. Okay. Well,
0: hey, guess what, Chris?
1: I had yeah. my fact checkers working while Jesse was answering that question
0: about yes. when the mass begins. Yes. And they were typing away and they've come up with the general instruction, paragraph 25, which says the purpose of the entrance song is to open the celebration. Oh, okay. So that would mean that the uh, entrance song would, in fact, be the beginning of mass. OK. So if the, nobody can join after the beginning of mass, that is the beginning of mass. So it's That's no strange. longer debatable, even in the pages of Adoramu's Bulletin. So yeah. there you go. How about that? Thank but you. I get extra credit for doing your research. No, you're you even I more know. wrong than
1: you were before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Dennis, this is back to you. This yes. Is back to you. This I'm might, two, two to no, one. I don't want to preface this, but it, here, here it is. Here it is. Question number six Which liturgical minister wears a dalmatic?
0: Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Listen. I'm just going to give myself a ding
1: right now. Uh, we'll see. Pre-date. Acolyte, deacon, priest, bishop, pope.
0: Ooh, acolyte. This deacon, is a trickier question bishop than you pope. think.
1: That it sounds is?
0: sounds like a papal uh, garment, there, Dennis. Well, the dalmatic is what the deacon typically wears. However, in the extraordinary form, the people would often wear all the. Uh, vestments of their different stages of of orders, right? So I remember seeing an extraordinary form high mass with uh, Bishop Colonel Burke, and he had a little paper-thin chasuble. Oh, no, nice chasuble. But underneath it was a paper-thin uh, dalmatic because he was wearing all of them. So are we talking pre-1962, post-1962? No, this is according to the, the current Roman Missal. So I'm overthinking it. Well, I know it's proper to the dalmatic, so – the question doesn't say exclusively worn by just – normal. is it normally worn by the deacon? Uh, which liturgical
1: minister wears a dalmatic? That would be the deacon. And there can what? be more There can be more than one answer. Was there an all of the above option? No. The answer is um, – is deacon your final answer? Well, I don't know. I don't, tr-
0: I don't like where this is going, Chris. I this want to good.
1: answer it according to the question, but the question
0: doesn't really ask. It says which liturgical minister wears a dalmatic? So that's a singular, which means there's one. So it can't be more than one. Which, which of can... the
1: following liturgical ministers? Oh my God, Just say it's
0: the deacon. Well, it is the deacon, but if I don't know if they can still, the others can still wear it. So if the bishop and the priest and the pope are still allowed in the
1: extraordinary in the ordinary form, I would say them. If they're not, I'll say deacon. So. We're not talking extraordinary form, so I, I I don't think I can give you the ding. The the answer is deacon bishop and because the pope is a bishop the pope oh so if you would have said at least deacon and bishop and you almost did you almost did but
0: you didn't have an option for like some of the above yeah.
1: Well, listen, there's only so much space on, you know, the printed page here. All right. right that, well,
0: all right, read that question to me Does it say which liturgical minister or does it say which of the following liturgical ministers No, it says which liturgical minister wears a dalmatic. Okay. okay, so then therefore you set me up. You set me and up. I would well, say I would say you got to give it to him because he did say uh, that those those titles uh, wear everything that they can wear. Well, Jesse's trying to give the me points.
1: Can't. The priest doesn't.
0: Yeah, oh. Sure. All right, yeah. I'll oh. I'll take my hit even though it's unfair.
1: Jesus, so, <laughs> yes, yeah. Add that to the complaint list. So again, the vestment proper to the deacon is the dalmatic. That's germ number three thirty-eight. Uh, and then uh, uh, let's see. And then it says the bishop wears what's found in the as described in the ceremony of bishops, where it says the vestment worn by the bishop at a liturgical celebration. Are the same as those worn by presbyters, but in accordance with traditional usage, it is fitting that at solemn celebrations he wear under the chasuble a dalmatic.
0: Yeah. How about that? Deacon should only wear Dalmatic half the time. We should yeah, get yeah. them to bring it back And We're not hold up in court. Minister, <laughs> <laughs> singular. So have you ever been to a uh, a deacon ordination where all the deacons in one diocese are ordained? They probably need like a hundred and one ho, Dalmatics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the, what's the tally? What's the tally through six questions? Jesse, I, two, it's two, it's
0: 2 to 1, two but I do not feel good about that last one, yeah. so.
1: Okay. All right. Well, well, you can win with guilt, it's fine. Okay, number 7. Number 7. This is back to Jesse. Which of the following are roles of the lector? A, proclaims the readings prior to the gospel. B, directs the singing and participation of the faithful. C, Announces the intentions at the universal prayer. D reads the entrance and communion antiphons. E carries the book of the gospels. If there's no deacon F instructs the faithful on the worthy reception of the sacraments. Sorry. That's a lot to digest. What what was the last one? Instructs the faithful on the worthy reception of the sacraments.
0: And this can be multiple, right? Multiple sacraments. No, No, it can be multiple answers in this
1: list. Yes.
0: Okay, I'm going to say that um, two that he proclaims the readings before the gospel. I think that was the first one, yep. and that and that he carries the book of gospels if there's no deacon. Okay,
1: that's that's all I got. Okay, you should have answered all of the above. Dang it! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now there's uh, for readers. You probably women- can wear a
0: Dalmatic, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we should say this. Uh, the general instruction of the Roman Missal takes account that when it uses the word acolyte or lector, it means instituted acolyte or lector. Okay, Then it will go on to say that in the absence of an instituted acolyte or lector, uh, certain of their functions can be taken up by, you know, duly appointed laypersons. But an instituted reader, which is what the Germ has in mind does all of those things, and this is according to uh Dennis. You remember the name of this uh, document from 1972, Paul VI, on the revision or restoration or rearrangement of the minor orders or the abolition of the minor order? I do not remember the name Quam singularity? yeah, no. yeah. Ministeria. Queda. Queda. I knew it had, yeah. and there. so <laughs> that lists what the roles of the instituted lector are, and so. Does all those things. So, isn't that interesting? He instructs the faithful on the worthy reception of the sacraments, directs the singing and the participation of the faithful. I thought that's the cantor's job. uh, Could be, but also the instituted lector. So, anyway, there's a big job description uh, to being an instituted lector. You hear this, like, mostly it's only guys on the way to the priesthood who receive this instituted ministry. And they say, oh, we have uh, we have institution of lector on Saturday. I have no idea what that means or that entails. What am I supposed to do now? Call and Chris Kirsten. It's a number of those things. Okay.
0: Yeah. My mom once told me I should be instituted, but I don't think that's what she meant.
1: I think that's what she meant. <laughs> <laughs> number eight. You know, this also, Jesse, is true or false. This number is my eight, True or false. A liturgical but minister. it could be
0: multiple answers, Dennis. Okay, <laughs> no, It's
1: only one or the other. One or the mm-hmm. other. Well, it could be both, I guess. A liturgical minister must be a member of the Catholic Church. As in a baptized person? Is that what you mean by that? Could you be a Lutheran and be a liturgical minister in a Catholic liturgy? Ooh, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. It could be some right, kind of. Yeah, this is to Dennis. Yeah, sorry. Could it be an ecumenical service? Is that a permissible? No, let's say it's not ecumenical at all. Hmm.
0: Well, I know you would have to be baptized. A lot of times these things say they should be, you know, member in good standing and of probity, whatever, high quality of life, et cetera, good role modeling. Would a Protestant fit the role modeling for a Catholic would be the question. Hmm. <laughs> There's probably some obscure exception, but I'll say no.
1: No, <laughs> no. Okay. So, just so I'm clear, can you – so you're saying no, you can't be a non-Catholic and be a, a minister? A liturgical minister, I would say no. Okay, so the question was true or false. A liturgical minister must be a member of the Catholic Church. That would be true. Right, yes, that's what I said. It. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. right. Uh, what I put is mostly true. So I'll give All you right. the Wait, oh my! There are what kind of quiz obscures. is this? <laughs> there are obscure um, – uh, exceptions. So, for example, there's this document called the, uh, what is it? The Directory for the Application of Principles and Norms on Ecumenism. Uh, it says, uh, the reading of scripture in a Eucharistic celebration in the Catholic Church is to be done by members of that church. On exceptional occasions and for a just cause, the bishop may permit a member of another church or ecclesial community to take on the task of reader. Hmm. And so same with- is false. It's yeah, so it's, it's mostly true so I, it's I still early, agree point. mostly true mostly yeah. true and also at a at a mixed marriage the priest can uh, let the non-catholic minister preach or give a blessing or things like that so but on the whole yeah if you're going to serve as a minister in the Catholic Church you're a member of the Catholic Church so, so I get a point for that you get a point for that okay two to two tied up here Jesse okay we have two questions left Jesse the germ, general instruction of the Roman Missal, envisions the priest celebrant presiding with a grace and lissomeness, b dignity and humility, c creativity and originality, D Hauteur and confidence.
0: Uh can we do an etymology podcast
1: on listenness first? <laughs> What was the question, the general instruction? The germ envisions the priest yeah. celebrant presiding with grace and lissomeness, dignity and humility, creativity and originality, hauteur and confidence. Wow. Uh,
0: okay. Can, can I just, because this is the type of quiz I have to ask this, are there multiple options available for this?
1: There's or is only it, one. A, only B, C, or D.
0: Okay. Well, uh... I am. My gut says hauteur and confidence. Final answer. <laughs> yeah, are you throwing this one? I was like, is there money on this one? Well, yeah. uh, my, I I don't know. Dignity and What's quality it? was what I thought, but
1: then but that's what you think. Is that your yeah, final answer?
0: Well, that's what I, I didn't know what hauteur meant, so I was like, and that's kind I
1: mean, of uh, snobby arrogance. No, absolutely not. Oh
0: no, 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 that question was you answered already. It was legally <laughs> entered into the record.
1: This is what the this is I what, know the germ, what that word, men Come on, <laughs> this is what the germ says. Uh, when he celebrates the Eucharist, the priest must serve God and the people with dignity and humility. Yeah, that's what I said. By, by his bearing and by the way he pronounces the divine words, he must convey to the faithful the living presence of Christ. Yeah, uh, give so, me that.
0: Give me that point, Dennis. Don't, uh, don't yeah, so I think you should get it. What he said? The wrong answer. Why should he get a point? He does not get a point Be- because so I, I stayed at the Lippard Institute. <laughs> half a point. No, my sense of justice totally trumps my. Hey, sense remember of that time? Remember that time where I was an advocate for you? No. Thanks a lot, jerk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All, right, uh, All right. Question. I'll give him, a I'll give him half a point. Give him half a point. If he wins okay. by half a point, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> well, I think you're going to get this because you alluded to this earlier. Question number 10, Dennis, is what basic characteristics ought a candidate for liturgical ministry possess? This is not multiple choice. I'm just supposed nope, to no. this. Is just this? this is just you answering the question. This is a short, short paragraph answer.
0: I think the answer is hauteur. Oh. Yeah, hauteur, yeah. Haughtiness. Uh, do I have to... Um match a word for word or just general? No, no. I mean, just what are the general characteristics that a liturgical minister ought to have? Well, generally the documents say things like uh, holiness of life, they're worthy of emulation, they're good role models, they're um, upstanding members of the community and regular attendees and basically people who model the Catholic faith well. So is that enough for me to say
1: more? This is what uh, this is actually I'm citing uh, Redemptionis Sacramentum here, which was a document that John Paul wanted uh, written. He says the lay Christian faithful call to give assistance at liturgical celebrations should be well instructed and must be those whose Christian life, morals and fidelity to the church's magisterium recommend them. No one should be selected whose designation could cause consternation to the faithful.
0: So I, for, I he did not say that. So I think he has a buzz. Three thing. quarters of a no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> of <the> point. No. Yes, three
1: quarters of a point. All right. So what,
0: the, what's the final tally? I think Dennis two won. And three quarters to two and a half.
1: Oh, boy! Team that takes a- it. That was a tough one. Well, anyway, there's your uh, Roman Missal quiz on liturgical ministers. You know what? That oh. was a lot more fun than I thought it would be, Chris. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> Jesse
0: can turn anything into fun.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. Even you, Chris. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so if only we had another question that we could ask and answer, we'd be all set, wouldn't we?
0: Yeah, that's true. But I. But, you know, I think those questions need to be a little more clear if there can be a mostly true or this is the answer, but also this is the answer. But you know what? I would say that your quiz probably emulates liturgical uh, rules and guidelines because they're
1: not always so clear. So yeah. maybe that's what you were going for, right, Chris? Yeah. Well, whatever drives us back into the germ to actually look at what it says and make informed, intelligent decisions based on that, it's all for the good.
0: Well, don't tell people you're using the germ at mass because there's a pandemic going on exactly. and they might they might not know what you're talking about put a mask over the germ all right <laughs> let's, let's answer a liturgical question
1: yeah so we, 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 we
0: did know. so now you have to yeah all right you get half a point <laughs> yes 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 coffee 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 caffeine yes let's answer a question Woo!
1: so why go to the liturgical institute well if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church. You won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition.
0: Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Hey, hey guys.
1: Hey, Yo. Jesse. Jesse we, have, we have a
0: question this week from superfan Vicky Delaney. Vicky Delaney. She sends us party boxes and, and uh, pie crust. Yeah, that's why we're answering her question, because we're a little low on pie. <laughs> Thank and you very so much, We're hoping that if we mention her on the podcast as a Patreon supporter mm. and a pie sent her to pie us, crust. that she'll send more pies, six pies to be exact. Hey, do you know what? Totally unrelated to the question. We mentioned <laughs> Cheez-Its and butter and bacon on this one, and the wife of the president of Benedictine College, Amy Minnis, heard that, and she bought me a box of Cheez-Its. How nice is that? Oh, so, were they bacon-flavored wait, Cheez-Its? No, they were a uh, the good regular kind, but uh, I think if we mention pie crust, maybe it will maybe it'll appear somewhere. Anyway, pie crust. Christ right. anyways, a <laughs> little message. have a question, Jesse. <laughs> we do. So Vicky says, the first week back, I felt so bad walking up to Holy Communion as the priest was using salad-like tongs to try and wrangle the host for each person, I found myself praying I could get a hold of it instead of receiving the body of Christ with the reverence it deserves. When I was telling a friend, they said that using salad tongs is totally not allowed liturgically. Is that true? Wow, some crazy things happen out there. This is why and I'm glad. And another question, too. So that's, a, that's the first question. All right. Well, this is why I'm glad Chris is here. He knows the answers to these mm-hmm. things. Uh,
1: I saw somewhere that uh, apparently in the history, there had been kind of a distribution of hosts with a tweezers or a tongs, and maybe it's during a Black Death time. I don't know. So it may have happened. Uh, but I think we can say that it's not envisioned that communion be distributed with salad tongs today. So, the um, all right. So what the what priests and pastors everywhere are trying to do are trying to accommodate two different concerns. One, they're trying to celebrate hopefully as closely as they can according to the normative form of the celebration, and two, they're trying to make prudential adaptations to safeguard the health of recipients. Now, sometimes finding where, where that comes together is, is often difficult. Uh, and some of these suggestions are, I think, rather too creative and too far out of uh, liturgical bounds. One is distributing with uh, tongs. So I think with uh, what what many say, Obviously, there's a lot of questions about uh, coronavirus still is that proper hand sanitizing and the masks and other things like that receiving in the hand can uh, doesn't present an unreasonable risk to the to the minister or the recipient. And so the tongs would be something that is uh, not necessary.
0: Especially if it's tongues of fire. Uh, uh. Ooh, and especially if they're not covered in gold and distinguished liturgical implements. I, I've heard about some Eastern churches use little straws for distribution of. Oh, the, the blood. pipette. Yeah, and those are covered in blood. So they're, I mean, not <laughs> blood. Yes, they're <laughs> covered in blood. Covered in gold. Um, but, you know, I think uh, vicky's question there was I was with worried about the tongs instead of being prepared to receive communion. So anytime anything would interfere with someone's deep reception of
1: grace, you have to be careful. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's another sort of parallel example. There was a question about can the bishop or priest confirm with uh, like a, a, cotton swab with an instrument, okay. A uh, cotton ball or a swab or something like that, dip it in the sacred chrism and put the chrism on the forehead. Would that be uh, legit? So um, the, the, the Holy See came out and said, well, it wouldn't invalidate the sacrament, but um, and you could do it if you wanted to now. But when things get back to some sort of normalcy, then you're not supposed to do that. So, yeah, there's yeah. there's a whole host of questions, so to speak, uh, literally about, uh, uh, about liturgical practice during during this time. How much can you adapt? And when when has that when does that cross a line where it just isn't uh, can invalidate a sacrament or at least help to render it less uh, as efficacious as it might otherwise be. Interestingly,
0: paragraph 245 of the general instruction says you can receive the precious blood by a tube or a spoon. So it seems it's possible some kind of fine liturgical instrument, but uh, get permission of your desk and worship office (laughs) first and explain it to people ahead of time. If anything like this is going to happen. Okay, she also has another question. She says, uh, several folks have expressed disdain to me regarding another parish I attend where the priest gives out Holy Communion after Mass is completely over. I thought it was okay thinking during the Mass you offer your sacrifice Thanksgiving and do spiritual communion, and then when you receive communion directly after Mass, it is akin to receiving at a prayer service. Can you tell me if that is correct and the liturgical basis either way?
1: Yeah, here too... um All right. So again, uh, priests, pastors, bishops, liturgists, uh, the faithful are trying to find a way where they can, where the faithful can receive communion in a safe way. And this has been one of the uh, options put forth, I think, in fact, by... Dennis, your uh, uh, Dominican friends at the Thomistic Institute in D.C., one of the ways that this could happen is to wait until mass. So distribute no communion to the faithful in the context of the mass. And then those who are not going to receive can leave and those who want to receive can stay. And in fact, you could then uh, have one line for receiving in the hand, another line for receiving on the tongue. And part of the the rationale for the Thomistic Institute's uh, recommendations here is that they they didn't want the minister to have to be masked during the celebration of the mass, as uh, they put it. It's kind of a counter It's just right. The liturgy is this sacramental symbol system, and when that gets too skewed, what is at stake is our encounter with. Uh, with God, and so they thought outside of Mass, you could make more precautions, like uh, the masking the minister, having him uh, purify his hands between communicants, and so they thought that the distribution and reception of communion outside of Mass allowed for uh, more precautions to take place that might otherwise be inappropriate mm. in the context of Mass. So, I don't like it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, that's What what do we always say
0: on this podcast? I don't like it. Is not grounds for liturgical. (laughs) Nobody likes
1: any of this. This is all abnormal, and certainly under normal conditions, they'd be liturgical abuses. But these aren't normal conditions, and and you're right. Some adaptations, precautions seem reasonable, but others are just too far. They so they're
0: seeing this as a separate thing. Mass is over, everybody goes home. Now we're just sort of receiving communion the way you would receive communion anytime outside of mass. Or are they saying we're now taking the communion procession, putting it in a different place at the end of mass? So I or is think it two the first thing,
1: Dennis, it'd be more yeah. akin to the first one. See, because there, there is precedent for the reception of communion outside of mass. And so they're just kind of doing two sorts of rites, I guess. Okay. Well, all right. Maybe that.
0: Well, now I'm going to make you even more angry because uh, our, you guys all know Karen, the lovely uh, person who helps us out at liturgical institute. She was telling me that her mother-in-law's parish, they allow the parishioners to watch mass on TV, and then you can then drive through the parish parking lot and receive communion after you watched mass. So right. there's a lot of weird stuff happening uh, these days. and Yeah. The world That's always it. wants to scatter things, right? Things mm-hmm. should be in the right place in the right way. You receive communion within the context of mass and you get the final blessing and leave. It, oh, just chaos, disorder, the fallen world. It See, but it's
1: uh, what I think is uh, if it weren't so serious and sad, what, would be an interesting type of classroom discussion is, I mean, all of these options that we're discussing are illicit. Mm-hmm. None of them is according to, uh, to the norms, the rubrics, the rules. Yet some of them we would consider more acceptable than others. Mm -hmm. By what criteria? So this is you can't just look to the to the code, to the to the books anymore. You have to apply some more well-founded sacramental and liturgical thinking to this. And that's why
0: a place like the Liturgical Institute is a great place to study, because when things like this happen, you could be prepared to answer these questions in a great and truthful way. Right, guys?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Okay. Liturgicalinstitute.org. You can <laughs> come study here. We have an online master's degree now. It's awesome. Okay. Vicki, I hope that answers your question. I also hope that we get some pie crust sent in the mail, but who knows? Uh, if you want to ask us a question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or you can tweet us at liturgyguys or you can tweet Dennis at DMAX Super Taster. Takes more than you know. Open parentheses <laughs> taste more than you do. Close. Oh, that's right.
1: I don't, um, uh, of the I don't know how these uh, no, Twitter... No, it's just Super Supertaster, it. but... Oh, okay.
0: That's a line from They Might Be Giants, John Lee Supertaster. And the lyric is, John Lee Supertaster tastes more than you do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, and God bless. God bless. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, at Adoremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College. Ah. Now that's a podcast.